we're kind of taking a break from the book of Colossians today um, because there is a sermon that is in my heart that I wanted to share with all of us. Let me start by just uh, reflecting quickly on, on this year that is just about to pass. You know, here we come to the end of 2023. And there are so many great things that happened, and I mean great things. To start off with, you know, the merge where God brought two churches together into into one. And what an an awesome and God-glorifying merge. And that sign at the front is a testimony to the awesome and wonderful work that God is doing. We also had two cute little babies were born this year. And there is one on its way, right? Yeah, praise God for that. Uh, So three blessings so far. Keep them coming, people. Keep them coming. You can't have enough of these little cute ones, right? The more the merrier. We had Brother Joe now coming to save in faith this year. Praise God for that. Several baptisms that took place. We thank God for all his blessings. Amen. Also, on the other hand, there are, for most of us, 2023 has been really hard. The curse of Genesis 3 because of sin was devastating and it was really felt this year. One sister in Christ um, undergone chemotherapy and the other just recently was received this tragic news of having been diagnosed with uh, an aggressive type of cancer. We also had a mother who had a near-death experience, right, while she was giving birth. Brothers and sisters in this year, they had operations been done to them. And uh, on top of all of that, and outside of the church, you've got the government and the culture with their ever a growing antagonism towards Christianity, the pressure of the world upon especially the young believers. And the list goes on and on. So much tears have been shed this year. 2023 has been exceptionally exhausting for many, many of us. Where do we turn to for rest, for comfort? Who do we trust? What is it that would give us hope as we're navigating through the pressure and the stress of this fallen and sinful world? What do we do? Well, this is what we do. We lift our eyes up to the hill. 
more than ever, we must place our telescope of faith and direct it towards heavens. We must zoom right into the throne of God and we must, with one voice, cry out to God and say to God, we are in a state of emergency. We ought to call upon God and say to him, we must know you. We are in a desperate need of you. And if we do not meditate on you, on your goodness, we will drown in our misery like the world does. Brothers, it is to this end, we're going to study the goodness of God. Amen? Because while the world run after um, drugs, sex, alcohol, and entertainment, and partying in order to, to flee from reality, to escape reality, what do we do? We fly to God, into His heart, and we must chew on and meditate in God's goodness. Why? Because... The goodness of God, if you like, is our antidepressant pill that soothes our aching souls. We must know, brothers and sisters, that our God is abundant in His goodness, extravagant in His goodness. It's the only way we can survive the hurricane of sufferings. Now, brothers, we must know that there aren't any green pastures to, to, for our souls to feast on other than the goodness of our God. Well, when we start studying this subject, the goodness of God, what, what kind of character should we cultivate, attitude embedded in us that we must arouse? As we study this, this wonderful attribute, Psalm 106 verse 1 tells us, and by the way, we'll be going through many, many verses, stitching them together in order to understand what it means that God is good. Psalm 106 verse 1 says, Praise Yahweh. Oh, I love this word, oh, by the way, it's so deep. Oh, give thanks to Yahweh. Why? Why? For he is good. The goodness of God promotes, it compels, it fills us with gratitude. Our hearts must swell up with thankfulness. And this thankfulness ought to pass through our vocal cords and burst out into praises every time we meditate on the goodness of God. Very well. While we keep this in mind, we want to go through passages in the Scripture that are attest to this wonderful attribute. 
The first is Psalm 100 verse 5. It says, For Yahweh is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. God is good. And what this verse is saying is that loving kindness and faithfulness are expression of His goodness. If you like, both of them are children that are born out of God's goodness. Loving kindness and faithfulness. Now, since loving kindness and faithfulness, children of goodness, are everlasting, according to this verse, so also is His goodness. God is always good. He's been good and will forever be good. This is why in Psalm 23 verse 6 it says, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. God's goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Okay, that's great. This is all good, right? It can't be but good. (laughs) But there remains a question now, a big question that we've got to answer. What does it mean that God is good? What does that mean? Well, let's rule out some misconceptions in our mind. When the scripture speaks of God's goodness, it is not primarily synonymous with his rightness, with his uprightness, with his moral excellency. Though God is morally excellent and he is right and righteous, of course, he is all of that, but is not what the scripture means primarily. It's okay to go and ask people, would you consider yourself to be a good person? And that would mean, are you righteous? But that's not primarily what goodness means when we speak about God. Nor does it mean that God somehow is a handy or a useful tool. And we say, well, that's good, good tool. Like, you know, a hammer or or a drill. Except that God is far, far better and bigger. That's not what it means, that God is good. Now, what does it mean then? Psalm 135 verse 3 says, Praise Yahweh for He is good. All right? Sing praises to His name for it is pleasant. And if you notice, uh, it is, is uh, there are italic, meaning for pleasant. Pleasant. Good. Is pleasant. Psalm 34, everybody knows this verse, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The goodness of God is to be tasted and to be seen. The scripture here tells us, it gives us two imperative commands and it bids us to come. It invites us to open our senses and to delight in God who is all good. And it basically says, open your mouth 
and savor the sweetness of God. Open your eyes and enjoy the beauty of your maker. Activate the taste buds of your heart. By faith, lift up the lids of your, of your eyes. Behold, God is delicious. Communion with God is not like this bitter, awful taste of a cough medicine. You know, I just, I just have to quickly swallow it or else I'll die. So I'm going to have to commune with God. And then quickly, let's just see what other things that I ought to enjoy. No, God is desirable. He's so sweet. That's what it means that he is good. Let me give you an, an example in the scripture, something to help us understand this. In Exodus chapter 33, verses 18 and 19, Moses says to God, I pray you show me your glory. Yeah. Moses is beseeching God. He's saying, God, let me, let me behold your beauty. That's what glory is. I want to delight in you, God. And how does God respond to Moses? Verse 19, he says, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. Moses asks for what? The glory, to see the glory of God. And how does God respond? God would say, oh, you want to behold my glory, Moses? Very well, I will make you see my goodness. I will let my goodness pass before you. What is goodness? It is when you experience and enjoy the beauty of God. Furthermore, <clears throat> Psalm 119 verse 68 says, You are good and do good. Of course. Everything that God does is good. All his characters are mingled with goodness and revelation of his goodness. You know, when we say that God is merciful, what we're saying is that it is that God is good to those who are broken and needy. When we say that God is patient, what we're saying is that God is good to unrepentant sinners. We'll talk about this a little bit later. But when we say that God is gracious, what we mean is that God is good to His own people that have been redeemed. God is good and His goodness flows out of Him. And when it flows, it intends to Satisfy all, so that all would enjoy Him. And one more thing as we continue to look at a different angle from this beautiful attribute. And we say, you know, we know that God is in absolute control. Amen. He's in absolute control of all circumstances. Nothing moves or even one inch in this world without God controlling it. And we say that this is God's sovereignty. 
But aren't you glad that God is not just sovereign, that he is also good? Because to be powerful without being good is, is, is really like the God of Islam, Allah. You know, God would have been a terrifying monster. Like a, like a strong hurricane that is merciless, just goes and sweeps across all nations. But aren't you glad that this is not our God? Stephen Charnock, he said, God's goodness is the brightness and loveliness of our majestical creator. Meaning God God is not just sovereign, but while he is sovereign, he's so kind. He's so sweet. He's so lovely. The opposite of goodness is to be harsh, is to be brutal, which means to be good is to be tender, to be compassionate. That's what our God is. We'll have a look at three points that help us to understand this attribute in a perhaps deeper way. God is good. We're going to look at God is good in his creation or to his creation. Second, God is good to all his creatures. And thirdly, God is good to all the Christians. Creations, creatures, and Christians. First, God is good to his creations. Now, again, we need to understand goodness stems out of God. In other words, it is in the very essence of God. In other words, God cannot not be good. He is good in and of himself. Therefore, everything he does, when he comes to create, it is pleasant. This is why he made mountains that are so high, valleys that are deep, rivers with fresh water, oceans with salty water, trees clothed with green leaves. He made the sun by the morning to give us energy and warmth and it's as though to tell us rise and shine. You stare at the moon, that peaceful moon at night and it's as though God is saying, I give my beloved sleep. Why? Because God is good. Therefore, he can only create good things. You have a look at Genesis 1. At the very start, first chapter of, of the entire Bible. In verse 3, it says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And then God saw that the light was good. And in verse 10, God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. 
And that is the one word that keeps in, uh, repeating over and over again. Verse 12, 18, 21, 25. And even as we come to the end of Genesis 1, and as we reach the climax of all creation on the sixth day, God zooms right out. It's like he's taking a panoramic view of all that he created, verse 31. And he says, God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. Very good. I have, I have a confession to make. Every now and then I make a confession. I, I'm not a good cook, all right? I'm, I'm a bad cook. Um, you want to have healthy food? Don't come and eat my food. You want to have something tasty? Don't come to my kitchen. All right. Now imagine I cook a pasta and then I taste the pasta and, and I would assess it. And I would say it's good. What does that mean? Does that mean people now can come and eat it? No. But imagine... A five-star, a world-renowned chef. He cooks pasta. Same pasta as mine, but of course, different substance. And then he comes and he dips his index finger in it, licks it, and he says, very good. What do you make out of this? (laughs) You're going to go and eat it, right? And here we have the chef of all chefs. The universe renowned maker looks at the world he made and he would say, very good. What does that mean? Of course it's got to be good. This is why God made birds with these beautiful wings as they're flapping them on the sky. Or he would make fish in the middle of the ocean You look at them and they are kind of like dancing. It's God that made this because it's very good. Paints the sky above blue, trees green, and everything your hands touch, all the beauty that you could see, behold, in this majestic creation. They're all living proof that God is good. He's so good that Psalm 33 verse 5, it says, The earth is full of the goodness of Yahweh. You know, uh, when I get a chance to rest, I love taking my family and go to the ocean and just walk on the sand, just looking at the awesome waves, these massive ocean waves. We go, go for a walk and it's kind of like you look into this um, canvas of God's creation. Even after 7,000 years of corruption and sin and the fall, you see God's handiwork. You know, you walk and you fill your lungs with this pure breeze air. You, you, you see waves, it's as though... They are outrunning each other and they're climbing on top of each other. Gallons of water, especially when they smash against the rock and, they, and it's like they're, they're splash 
and, and, and they spray water and it comes into your face and it's, what is this? I mean, is this ocean alive? Is it, is it playing? Such breathtaking scene that a person must be both blind and deaf to look at God's creation and not come out and believe not only that God exists, but He is a good God. That's why we ought to be thankful to Him, brothers and sisters. Luke 12, verse 27 says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Well, who arrays them? God does. And if he takes care of his creation, even the least of them, will he not take care of us? Let us thank him. Not just for his wonderful creation, but because of his wonderful creation is a mere reflection of his goodness. And so not only do we thank him, but we praise him. God is good, not only in the way he created the world, but to his creation how he sustains his creation and constantly nourishes his creation. You know, God would have been just as good if he created the world and let it run on its own. But you know what? There is far more goodness, so much more plentiful blessings in the storehouse of heaven that God desires to lavish upon his creation. Psalm 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. Listen to Psalm 145. Beautiful. It says, The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. God is pleased when he showers his creatures with his abundant and overflowing generosity. So what does he do? Psalm 36 verse 6. Oh Yahweh, you preserve man and beast. You take care, preserve meaning you take care. You sustain both the animal kingdom and human kingdom, man and beast. Let's look at the animal kingdom. Psalm 104 verse 21. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. In other words... Nothing slips through the cracks of God's goodness. No lion, nor mouse is ever looked by God. Matthew 10, 29 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? In other words, not even the cheap, the most insignificant creature. You know, sparrows back then, they were considered like pests. 
to the farmers. And yet, they're not in God's blind spot. All living creatures are the object of God's goodness. He commands the ox not to be muzzled while it's working. He provides for the young ravens. In the book of Job, at the very end, it tells us of 12 animals described. You've got six beasts, you've got five birds, and even an insect. And it tells us that God takes care of them all. All. God is good. What about human kingdom? And what I mean by human kingdom, I mean both believers and unbelievers. God delights to show forth His goodness to all mankind. Acts 14, 17. It says that God did not leave Himself without witness in that He did good. He did good. Gave us rain from heaven. Fruitful seasons. Filling our hearts with food and gladness. He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Oh, the, the sweetness of God, the kindness of God. He extends his goodness even to the evil, to the unjust. Now make no mistake about it, all unbelievers hate God. It's not because they're good people. They all hate God and every day they shake their fist against their maker. And while God is not in their mind or in their hearts, yet still God is good to them. God is good. We know He's good to them. He allows them to get married. To have children, to work. They have leisure time, they watch movies, they, they participate in sports events, they swim at a beach. Right? But most of all, he's so good to unbelievers that he allows them to hear the gospel invitation. Right? If you're an unbeliever today, think about how many times in this church you heard the gospel message. The only thing that can save you from eternal fire, how God sent His only begotten Son, who, who lived a righteous life that we could never live, and he, yet He was hung on the cross, He bore the guilt, the shame, and was punished for the sins that we have committed. And those who would put the trust in Him, that He rose from the dead on the third day, they will not be put to shame. Think about how many times you heard this message, how Jesus offered himself for you if you believe, if you put your trust in him. Do you know something? Do you know that every time you hear the gospel and the invitation to come to Christ is extended to you, friend, this is God's goodness to you. This is God's goodness. 
Also think about how many times unbelievers hear the gospel of salvation, the message of salvation, and reject it. Why is it that God did not kill them while they were in their sleep? Why is it that he let them wake up this morning and let them live and not throw them into hell forever? Why? There's no reason why God would keep them alive except for his goodness. It's just that he is good. But friends, God is so patient with you and he gives you an opportunity after another opportunity in order to abandon your reliance on self. And to come all the way and place your trust in Jesus for your salvation. But don't be mistaken. Don't confuse yourself with God's goodness and interpret it as if he's just slack. Or that he's weak. He's not. It is his goodness that is restraining him, holding him back from unleashing his wrath giving you opportunity after opportunity to put your trust in Christ and be saved. God is good. God is good to all his creatures. He is so good. But more so good to those who believe. He is especially good to the Christians. That's the third point. Psalm 31 verse 19, it says this, How great is your goodness. Hmm? How great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. How great is your goodness how gigantic meaning how enormous is your goodness O god to those who put their trust in you god's goodness for us who believe is like a bottomless ocean with no boundaries Indeed, brothers and sisters, God's goodness is large, is as large as God is to you, believer. Aren't you glad about that? How great is your goodness to those who fear you? God's goodness to us, brothers and sisters, it is. It is like an ever-flowing, mighty water gushing out of God's own heart. And it is filling His people with so much blessings that it would make the entire Niagara fall as like a drop of water in comparison to the enormous and gigantic goodness, blessings that God has for you and me. 
Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Why? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. What are they? Who pardons all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion? Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed? Like the eagle. And you know, Ephesians 1, blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Is there a blessing that God has that he withheld from you, believers? Let's have a look at two of them. God is good in the way he chose you. Again, so we say that God is absolutely good in and him, in himself, in his nature. It's in his being. And yet, he made it his prerogative to, to dispense his goodness, particularly upon his blood-bought children. In ways that unbelievers are not privileged to. Now, he didn't have to. He chose to. You see, since the time of the fall, at the time when God said, if you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. At the point of the fall, if God destroyed all humanity, guess what? He would have still been good. In his justice, when we're all destroyed, what we need to understand is that since God is free to show his goodness any way he chooses to, it means from the point of the fall down through the ages, if God wills to choose to save individuals, it is his goodness shown in what? Shown in grace. Expressed in grace. But if, but if he chose to condemn sinners, again, it's his goodness expressed in his justice. But both are expression of his goodness. What have you done to deserve being chosen by God? We must praise God for choosing us and not condemning us. Psalm 65 verse 4, it says, How blessed, how blessed, how happy should you be. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. He, we will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. Do you know in what ground God shows you? Ephesians 1.5 He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. He chose us not because there is something good in us. No, he simply chose us because this was according to the what? Good. Pleasure of his will. What does this mean? 
you know, long before you existed. Why is it that God put a circle around your name? Got his divine highlighter, crossed you, says, this is mine. Why did he set his love upon you before eternity passed? Simply because he's good. Because he's good. How thankful should we be? What joy should fill our hearts because of God's goodness to his people? He chose us. What about the way he redeemed us? Psalm 107 verses 1 and 2, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. God is good. We've got to praise him for that. We've got to thank him for that. Great. How in this passage did God express his goodness? It says in verse 2, Let the redeemed of Yahweh say so. He redeemed us. He brought us back to himself. Again, in the, in the story of our salvation, the Father promised to our salvation. He decreed it from eternity past. And yes, the Holy Spirit applied the salvation at the time when we have repented. But it was Jesus Christ that purchased us with his blood. 1 Peter 1.18 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. When God wanted to express His unfailing and surpassing goodness to you, He didn't redeem you with His second best. Money that will perish was not your Redeemer. The cost to set you free from the penalty of sin and to disarm the principalities of heaven and bore your guilt and shame and gave you access to the riches of heaven and union with God, your redemption, saints of God, was priceless. How priceless? Verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb of God, without blemish and without spot. God showed his goodness to you and me by crushing his only begotten son, whose reproach, as it says in the scripture, is far better than all the wealth of Egypt. The goodness. In God's salvation. To you. It can be summed up like this. You ready? What is the cost? The blood of his son. What is the price that is required to be saved as a result of that? It's free. It's for free. What is the means to be saved? You just believe. Free and believe in my part while it cost him his own blood? Well, what is the outcome of this? All sins are forgiven in Christ. Eternal life secured because of Christ. Adoption into God's family is granted. Freedom of sin is enjoyed. Fellowship with Christ lived out. The highest cost 
No requirements. The easiest means gives you the greatest outcome. <laughs> what a bargain. Is there any way that God would be any better, any gooder? Brothers, you know, for eternity to come, I know it's going to happen. I don't know about you, but it will happen to me. We're going to ask God, why me, God? Why? Why did you come for me? When I was in slavery, you called me to yourself. When I was stubborn and stiff-necked, you were patient with me. You bore with me. Why, Lord? What, why, why did I find favor in your eyes when I was full of sin? And in my arrogance, I drowned my lust and my lust of my flesh. Why did you love me? Why did you redeem me? What is it in me that you found so worthy to be saved? What is it in me that is so lovable that you would call my heart to be your dwelling place? And even now, Lord, after being saved and being set free, I still ignore you, disrespect you, and I'm anxious in my circumstances precisely because I do not trust you. Why are you still in me? Why have you not given up in me already? Yet you still take care of me. And the only answer that will thunder out of the Throne room of God. Because I'm a good God. I'm a good God. Your redemption has, is, and forever be rooted in God's goodness. And if you think this is not enough... Brothers, be assured of one thing. Even though God gives us as much as we can handle of His goodness, yet there is still infinitely more supply in the storehouse of God, of goodness that can fill millions of galaxies. That's why God says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Brothers, be assured of this. God's goodness to you is inexhaustible. Be comforted. God will never run out of His goodness to you. All the goodness of God that we have ever experienced are but rays of light, just simple little tiny sunbeams. But God's goodness is like a, a, a sun that always glitter with, with goodness. He has far more than you and I could ever handle. No wonder the scripture says in Romans 8 verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. 
course, they work out together for good. What else would you expect from a, from a sovereign God who is good to you? Right? How do we apply this in our lives? What do we do? How do we apply this when, when we feel like a storm of trial battering and howling at us? Brothers, we must know that this sovereign God who brought the storm to you is a good God. He's always good. He's the good shepherd that leads us in that path that is loaded with eternal weight of glory. He's a good father who comforts his own children. He is our good physician who heals our wounded souls. Brothers, God is a good friend in our loneliness. And even when our souls are drowning in the darkness of the night, it is God who is good. He is our good light who shines the way and gives us hope. So what do we do when trials open their jaws? Suffering become like savage wolves and want to tear you apart. Is there a better God that you would run to? A bigger chest to lean your head upon? To receive comfort? but the chest of our Savior and God, Jesus Christ. Go to Him, believer. Go to Him. When the storm gets bigger and your trial, you feel like it's beyond your ability to handle, go to Him. Go to God. Remind yourself of His goodness. And praise Him for that. Don't just remind yourself. Go all the way and remind yourself. Speak to one another. Share with one another and say to one another, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, As we approach the end of 2023, and even if we feel like we've been like soldiers at war, and we have bruised knees, bruised chests, broken spirit, as we have faced giants of disappointments, And we feel like we don't know what's going on around us. May you reveal how big you are, how good you are to your people. Will cause us to find rest by coming to you again and again, savoring you. Delighting ourselves in your goodness, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.